You're listening to the Doxology and Theology Podcast, where we promote, encourage, and equip gospel-centered worship. For more information, visit us at doxologyandtheology.com. Um, let's get started here. Um, I, uh, well, I'm like attached here. Um, so, good art uh, always balances mystery and clarity. Okay, so up here we have mystery, and down here we're going to have clarity. Um. The holy, transcendence, and you might call this eminence or, uh, or simplicity. Um, this is essentially an Aristotelian principle of what he called the golden mean, that, uh, that there is beauty uh, to be found in this mean, in this middle, uh, this medium between, these, between two extremes. Okay, and So you have uh, mystery and, and clarity, and, uh, and so... If you think about it in, in works of art, uh, and this could be any work of art, whether it be a congregational song or whether it be uh, some other song or a painting or et cetera, et cetera. All right, if a work of art is too mysterious, I don't get it, right? It's, it's just uh, it's, it's a mess. I don't understand it. It's beyond me. It's too, it's too distant. If a work of art is too clear, um, you know, in other words, if, if, uh, if it's not a poem, if it's just me talking, then, then it's not really are, right? It's too clear. Like, you say, well, I get it. Uh, I'm over it. Okay, you know? Um, great art, and actually, and I hope this, is, this time is helpful, not only for people who, who are creators and, and, and you call yourself an artist in the room, but for, for ministers in the room, pastors as well, because essentially what, what real art is about and what ministry is, is about, great art, great ministry, are really about the same thing, and they're about this incarnation um, Harold Best in his book Music Through the Eyes of Faith gives an incredibly brilliant uh, metaphor and a paradigm for how to think through this um, essentially I'll boil it down he says that um, he says this he says um, y- y- you take um, you take the heavens, the cosmos, as a work of art. You know, many of us would consider that great art, and it is. It's, uh, it's, it's this, transcendence, right? It's mystery. It's beyond. It's vast. It's just the, what God has made. It's just so incredibly beyond. Then you have a blade of grass, okay? A blade of grass is, is here. It's, it's simple. And yet there is a, there is a beauty to it. There is a, a depth to it. Uh, you know, you've got photosynthesis going on in there. You've got, uh, you know, it's just like uh, actually G.K. Chesterton. He called grass the uh, the beard of a of a of a green giant or something like that. You know, it's just this this thing that's on the earth and it just sprouts up. Over and over and over. You know, it's like what is this thing? Um, and, and so there's this there's this simplicity to it, and yet it's it's still a work of art. It's simplicity is still a work of art. Um, he says so. You have Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. It's just this. Transcendence. It's, it's too much, right? And then you have Yesterday by the Beatles. It's, uh, it's simple. It's so humble. And yet, it's, it's a work of art. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a beauty to it. Um, that's incredible. He says this, that essentially, 
Jesus, before coming to earth, uh, was a symphony. And in his incarnation, he became a folk tune. He was no less God, no less art, but he became touchable. He became tangible. He became understandable. And this is our calling um, as, as, as artists, as, as ministers. Um, if we are, are too up here, we'll lose people. If we're too down here, we're, we're too bottom shelf, right? We're not, uh, Francis Bacon, he said, the job of the artist is always to deepen the mystery. Always. And so what, what great art is, um, is incarnation. It's taking massive truths about who God is. And it's, it's making them bottom shelf enough to be understandable by, by the average, you know, average Joe, right? But it, it doesn't leave it there. It doesn't leave them there. It lifts them. It, it, it exalts them. It changes them. Um, Isaac Watts was a, a brilliant example, I, I feel like, of this. A lot of, um, a lot of poets in Isaac Watts' day criticized Watts of, of oversimplicity, of, of, of too much clarity. Because Isaac Watts was, uh, he was a brilliant man, by the way. He would, he would debate uh, with, with, um, with philosophers of his day. He, he, was, he was an apologist in a lot of ways. But then he would go, he was, he was actually a nanny. So he would like go and debate all these people. And then he would go watch little kids and, and teach them uh, you know, about, about God. But he would write these hymns. And poets in his day criticized Watts because what, what, what kind of poems did Watts write? He wrote hymns. And, and all the hymns were for the church, and, and the hymns that he wrote were all in the same structure and meter, right? Over and over and over and over. Watts would just put the same, it was the same grid and the same formula uh, that, that, that those, those hymns were in. And yet, what, what, what did he do? He did this, right? He, he, he took these great truths and these great ideas, and, and he and he made them understandable. He put them in the in the uh, the imminent place that we're in. He put them in these simple uh, formulas, but he but he lifted us right. And now he's one of the greatest poets who've ever. He's w- more quoted than you know most of those uh, poets who who criticized him. Um, and so that that's one example. And let, let me give you a, just a, another practical example of this. Um, if you think about once you, I think once you kind of start to see this. It, I, I, at least for me, um, it, it kind of, you see it everywhere, this um, sort of golden mean thing. So you take, for instance, in um, a song, let's, let's say like a, um, a, a, a modern worship song that, that your church has written. It, let's say if the song is uh, incredibly simple in terms of its melody and its chord structure, okay, so you have clarity. Well, probably what you'll want to do with the production of the, of the album, of the song, you'll want to move more toward this. you want to make the production a lot more interesting, maybe use weirder drum sounds or et cetera, et cetera, uh, to, to reach this, this place, all right? Uh, and vice versa, but, you know, because if, if, the, if the melody and the, the song was super simple and the production was super simple, you'd just be all in clarity. So, and vice versa, if your song is like uber complex with the melody and the chords, et cetera, et cetera, you probably don't want to use really crazy production on that song because you want to try to hit this golden mean, this place of, of incarnation. Is that, is that making sense? 
Um, good. I hope that's that's helpful. Um, it's a great ministry. It's it's about um, incarnation. Um, let me let me put this in some context for um, it, it, with church history as well, and, and commend you as as creators and artists for being uh, attached to the local church. There's a book called um, what's the name of it? Da da da. Um, uh, Art Needs No Justification by Hans Ruckmacher. And um, in the book, he, he draws on this, I think, a pretty profound idea. Basically, he, he says that um, prior to the Renaissance and the Reformation, that artists um, did not have this sort of separate persona. That, that prior to the Renaissance and Reformation, artists were craftsmen. Okay, so artists, they were, they were woodworkers, they were churchmen, church musicians, etc. And, and back then, the, the idea was to, to see beauty, create beauty in all of life. Okay, so art wasn't sort of detached from, from reality, from society. Renaissance happens, Re- Reformation happens, Renaissance happens, you have this flurry of activity, artistic activity, and you have the, the creation of what he calls the capital A artist. Okay, the ivory tower sort of genius that you know whatever whatever he does you know if he um, if he belches you know record it it's art you know or whatever right um, th- this person was was created and he he this this sort of genius and he, and so he becomes actually detached from from reality and and from people and 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 tends to move move toward this and what is the uh, the culmination of that. Uh, well, it's 20th century music. And the essence of 20th century music is, uh, you know, you have, for example, a, a piece like 4 minutes and 20 seconds, I think that's what it's called. So, yep, yep, and you, you sit at a piano, and you know, a guy comes out, sits at a piano, doesn't play anything for 4 minutes, 29 seconds, leaves, and people applaud him, right? It's art, right? Wow. And... Um, that is what inevitably happens when, uh, when, we, when we leave this balance of incarnation. And so, uh, you know, I commend, uh, I commend people all the time, worship leaders and what you're doing, in, in the ball and chainness of, of, the, of the church, of being a part of a community, of, of, of pouring yourself, wrapping yourself, because that's actually where great art comes from. As we detach ourselves from other people, from community, from reality, our art becomes increasingly, increasingly uh, unusable and un- incomprehensible and unhelpful. Um, hopefully, hopefully that's that's helpful. Uh, let me uh, let me move, move on to this um, next idea. These different three categories of of art, and I think these are pretty helpful. Um, these, these ideas come from uh, authors Ken Myers, T. David Gordon. Um, uh, Ken Myers' book, Blue Suede Shoes, T. David Gordon, uh, Why Johnny Can't Sing Hymns. Both are, are great reads. The th- three categories of art that they give are essentially this. You have, uh, you have high art. Uh, you have folk art. And you have pop art. And so these uh, categories essentially would, would comprise all sorts of genres and forms, visual art, musical art, 
art, um, etc. Um, so the high art, let me, let me briefly describe these different categories. The, the high category of art would be uh, like, like classical music, okay? Um, it's, and, and what categorizes this, uh, the things that describe this category are things like transcendence. Um, they, uh, they, uh, they're, they're, it's multi-generational, high art is. It spans generations. Um, it's there, there's a depth of complexity here, right? This is why I put it up here next to the the uh, mystery. There's a depth of complexity here in uh, in high forms of art. Um, let's see what else. It's it's less accessible in general, right? Um, to uh, to the mass public. Okay, that's what characterizes this. So, you know, Mozart, Beethoven, etc. You can you can put those in there. All right. So the next category is folk art. Um, folk art has uh, what, what they say in the books with these categories. Um, essentially, they, it carries the same qualities as the high art, but uh, they're generally more accessible. Okay, so that's what, with the metaphors I was sharing with you early, uh, uh, yesterday by the Beatles, you know, in this section you have uh, Johnny Cash, uh, except, you know, folk, folk art that's created that, that still talks about transcendent themes, it's multi-generational, uh, it's, it's more timeless, and it bears the mark of a, of a depth and complexity that's not quite as, as distant or, or uh, uh, unex- inaccessible as this category, but it's, it's more tangible and, and more accessible. All right, and then um, down here you have, you have pop culture, okay? And um, the, the essence of this category uh, would be um, it would be themes that are um, instantly ac- accessible. I forget what songwriter who it was who said um, a hit by definition is uh, are the songs that you get tired of hearing first. That's what a hit is. Hits are the, the first songs we get tired of hearing. Um, so hits are, are instantly uh, accessible by definition. They're, they're instantly liked uh, by the mass public by, by definition. Um, they are, uh, you know, more imminent themes. They're, um, they're more individualistic, uh, more themes of, of light-heartedness, jovial, um, jovialness, jovial themes, ideas, and sounds. And um, right, so they're they're instantly accessible. Um, and I think uh, personally, like what actually T. David Gordon in his book. Uh, why Johnny Can't Sing Hymns. I, I recommend the book to you all to read. He says some bonehead things in there. Um, they're, they're just things that, like he says, for instance, you can't play A Mighty Fortress Is Our God with guitars because, you know, you lose transcendence, which is absolutely uh, absurd, I think. And actually it goes against his point he's making in this folk category, but anyway. Um <laughs> So, but but it's a fantastic uh, pendulum push for I think our, our generation where we are in the in the modern worship movement. So I, I highly commend that book to you, just to to help your people and your church to kind of ask some questions. Um, what he would say is with these three categories: a high art, folk art, pop art. Is that the pop art category is actually incapable of conveying and communicating transcendence? Period. Whatsoever. And uh, 
I uh, I hear I hear what he's saying. I I, I, I maybe a little far to say it's totally uh, you know incapable. Um, I think that I think that this category of music actually it does have a bears dignity. It does have a dignity. In um, Harold Best's book Unceasing Worship, which is another fantastic book, he gives a, a wonderful metaphor at the end of the book, where he says um, essentially there's a difference between worth and value. Um, and he's, there's really not, but he's just creating these categories. Um, he says, you know, worth and value. So he says, for instance, if you go to a gas station, you get 18 bags of chips, put them on the counter, and you put down a penny. Um, the, the penny has worth, but it's not enough uh, value, he says, to, you, to, to buy the, 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 the chips. All right? So worth and value, there's a, there's a difference there. He says, um, he says, if you... If you make, uh, you know, you can make wine and you can make, make lemonade. Uh, and, and each of them are good, but making good wine is better, essentially is what he says. And what he's, what he's getting at in this paradigm, in, in this category, is essentially that there is a sort of, in, in the realm of art and aesthetics, there is a, a lemonade form of art, a more saccharine uh, form of art that exists. Um, and, and what I appreciate about Bess is that he acknowledges its value. It has value. Um, but there's, there's also wine. And making good wine is better than making good lemonade. It just is. It's, it, it spans the generation. It's just, it's just better. And, uh, but, but each have value, right? So to, to press in that. And so I, I love the, the wine-lemonade metaphor. I, li- I like to think of it as bread candy. So, so for... Um, you know the way I think about you know my my even personal listening habits, but also to think about how this applies to to how you're feeding your uh, your people at your church, not only theologically but aesthetically, how you're feeding them, uh, is to think of it in that lens of bread and candy, right? I mean, like we, if someone told you, if I stood up here and said to you like don't eat candy, like I, I would just like throw a piece of candy at your face, right? Like candy's awesome, like. Candy is great. We, we need candy. But if you lived on candy, you would die, right? Um, we need bread. We need, we need sustenance to live on. Um, and we need, uh, we need both. We need both in our worship. We need both in our lives. We need the, 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 the silliness of dancing to a pop uh, song. We need that, right? It's good. But do we... Do, do we bear that as, do we have that as our sustenance? Now, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Um, the, the difference between this and this, folk art, pop art, um, can oftentimes be, be blurry, can be hard to distinguish. Um, and as in with, with any categories, you know, almost in categories in life, really, but especially in the realm of aesthetics. If you're going to have categories, it's going to get blurry at times. Um, but, um, you know, so, so for instance, I think, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. Let's, let's, so passion, let's talk about passion for a second. Um, I, I have great respect for what they do. I think some of what they do would fall in this category and some of what they do would fall in this category. I think... You know, I just think they, uh, you know, some things of what they do have bear the mark of, of. Uh, oh, let me let me say this. I forgot to say one thing. Um, 
generally this this category of music is well I did say this it's it needs to be instantly accessible and this bears the mark of a sort of a commercialism that where, where this does not okay so so the the motivations and the the inspirations for for this category of art typically isn't driven by commerce whereas this category is okay um, and I would say personally, like the, the passion movement, they have things that would fall in both categories. They have the, these, these very uh, instantly accessible, catchy as heck melodies that are, are great. And they have songs that have this timeless weight to them uh, that, that are fantastic. Uh, Tomlin's At the Cross, a song that just came out on their most recent passion album. I think that's a great song. I think I actually put that in this category. Um, in Christ Alone, I would put that in this category. As, uh, as folk art that, that bears and, and conveys and carries transcendence, right, as, as these two categories do. Um, one interesting thing that I think, uh, I think Gordon makes this point in his book is that with these categories of art, the interesting thing about this category it, by itself as pop artists, um, it's an individualistic sort of category. So, you know, for instance, you don't see... Um, you don't see other artists, uh, and I mean artists, I mean maybe you see people on like YouTube doing cover videos, but you don't see other artists really covering a, uh, a pink song, typically, right? Um, you, you, I mean, pink songs are performed by pink, and she, she does them, and, and you know, she does them how they, how she does them right, and, and, and nobody else sort of does them, um, but, but, Obviously, these two other other categories have more of a of a communal aspect, and what uh, you know the, the hymns, for instance, they they are less um, they are less an artist hymn, and they're more the churches. You know, it's it's the church's song. It's almost the the, the community owns it. Um, you know, and and you have you know hundreds and thousands of, of people. Uh, covering Beatles songs, Johnny Cash songs, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost there's a there's a communal nature. It's less individualistic, and uh, where, whereas pop music uh, tends to be more about uh, the artist or the person. And and actually, let me make a point on that too, because um, what what a great artist always always is and does. Um, a, a bad artist says uh sort of like look at look at me basically what a, what a great what a great art is and what a great artist is is someone who says look at that look at that right that i mean that's the essence of what what art is it's to say it's to take something and uh one uh, one author called art the transfiguration of the commonplace that's what art is. It's to what an artist does is is you find something that that is viewed in the eyes of people as common, whether it's a, an attribute of God or whether it's a thing out in the world somewhere, and you find that thing and you you transfigure it before people's eyes. You say, "Look at the wonder of this thing that God has made, or that God is, or that God has done." Right? You, you, and, and it's transfigured before your eyes. That's, that's what. Uh, that's what great art is. Uh, how, how am I doing on time here? Two thirty. Um, all right. I think. I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think that's good with the categories. Um, let me give us some criteria for judging a work of art. 
again, this is uh, in sort of aesthetic relativism. These, these are, in, in our day, I feel like if you say things like this, it's almost like, man, you're being judgmental. Um, and uh, I, think that's, I think that's really sad. I think, um, again, saying I like this is different from saying this is good. And the, the 4 minutes 29 seconds is a perfect example of the fact that, um, that as Christians, we need to be uh, wise as serpents about this. We need to, we need to not, like, like Harold Best is saying, sort of being in this extreme of not being overly judgmental of styles and genres, but, but also not being just say, you know, every, well, every, everything is, is fine and okay, right? Um, a lot of people view beauty as this very subjective thing, and, and it is, but, but I'm convinced that if there's a God, beauty is objective. Um, beauty is, is, you know, if we all know that 4 minutes and 29, that, that piece you know, to, to, to slap the label of art on that is insane. It's insane. And the reason we know that is because uh, of our Imago Dei, is because there is a God who is objective beauty, who has objective beauty, and we know, and we, and we see it in the world that he has made. We know what, what beauty is and this, what the standard is um, in our hearts. So let me, let me just run through here a few criteria for judging a work of art. Uh, the first word you could say is wonder. And you listen, you look at a painting, you, 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 and, and this is the kind of quintessential um, aspect of what a work of art is and does. Is does it awaken wonder? Is there, is there an awe, is there a transcendence in, in this moment for you? Uh, two, second word is clarity. So that's what I was describing before. Is, there, is it understandable? Is it comprehensible uh, as you look at it? You know, a lot of a lot of poems I read are just so, you know, I'm just like, I, I'm sorry, I just, I'm just not there. I don't get it. Um, and so it doesn't have a clarity of sensibility. Um, next word, complexity. So is there a depth? Is there a, a gravity uh, to this work of art that 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 you, um, you know, you 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 have to sort of let your eyes adjust. You have to linger. You have to stay. Um, the next word I have is truthfulness. So is the work of art true? Is it true to reality? Um, is, um, you know, th- and, this, and this is, um, yeah, I, I mean, if, 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 a, if a work of art is, is conveying things and, and messages that are just simply not true, then um, it's not good art. Uh, Authenticity is another word. Is it authentic to the artist? So, is there an attachment, or a you know, what this artist is singing about, or saying, or creating, that is is authentic to them? Um, the next word uh, is excellence. Was this work of art fearfully and wonderfully made? So, is there a technical mastery? Is there an excellence? Is there a, uh, do you get the sense that, that this person poured over this and, and spent years and, and uh, years of practice di- are, are coming together to, uh, to, be, uh, to make this piece of work? Uh, the next word I have is story. Um, oftentimes, you know, th- you ask, all right, does this tell a, a story of redemption? Is there a thread of, of hope in this, uh, in this song or this work of art? Um, the next word, suitability. 
Um, this is one that Francis Schaeffer talked about a lot, and actually one that that draws us, that draws out these categories a good bit. Suitability would be form and content. So what Schaeffer talked about in in good art that the form matches the content, or some people call it the medium and the message. So you know, for instance, if your song is is a song about pain and suffering and darkness, you know, you, you probably don't want to set that to do 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 or you know whatever you know like GCD kind of stuff. Um, you want to have a suitability between the medium, the the colors, uh, the chords, etc., and the the message that's that's being conveyed. And one of the things um, in some of these books that I've mentioned is that the difficulty with this category of art um, and Christian music is that our medium and our message are at odds. Um, our message is the sublime, is the transcendent God. Our message is the greatness of God, the glory of God. And for that to be set to a sort of, uh, you know, happy, saccharine sort of, you know, um, and not to say that, that happy is wrong, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes those things are very much at odds. The, the, the depth and the power and the greatness of God are at odds with um, the, um, the, that, the, the last category there of art, pop. Um, the, the, uh, the last two words I have here are, one, helpfulness. Um, and this is one that I feel um, is, is often neglected and, and uh, helps us here uh, with, with this realm of, of clarity. When, when I'm sitting down and writing a song, um, it, it's important you know, to have t- things in each hand. In one hand, you want to have an idea that you're amazed by. Sort of, sort of this, this, you want to have this, this concept. And in the other hand, you want to have love to your neighbor. Because if you only have one, if you only, if you only have love to your neighbor, then probably what you're going to say or create you know, is, is not going to deepen the mystery for them. Right? You, you're not saying anything. But if you only have this idea, right, you're not going to make it tangible and understandable. You're not going to incarnate the idea well enough for it to be understandable to, to, to the person, to serve them well. So helpfulness. As I'm sitting down and writing a song, I'm, I'm, I'm writing that song for a specific a group of people and saying, all right, how, how can these people sing this? What, how this going to be, you know, or, or a specific person or an event or a sermon series or et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's this clarity piece. So helpfulness. Um, is, is this work of art helpful? Is it loving? Is it loving people? And then uh, the last thing, it's, uh, it's more to heart level, is uh, worship. Was this work of art created to the glory of God? And that, that really is the, uh, you know, you talk about Christian and non-Christian art. Um, ultimately, the, the, what bears the mark of a Christian piece of art or a non-Christian piece of art, art is the motivation with which it was done. You know, was this, was this made to the glory of God or not? And that's something that none of us will ever know. And... Uh, we will know one day. God will know. And uh, all right, so that uh, is, I think, all my smattering of thoughts and ideas on this uh, subject. Um, can we talk a little bit? Can you guys uh, help me understand this better? Can you have any thoughts or ideas that 
that are objectionable here or um, yeah, just kind of far away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, th yeah, I mean, like, like this, this, um, I mean, essentially mystery and clarity are the, uh, are the two extremes. Like, if we're talking the categories of, like, high art, um, yeah, I mean, certainly, like, lots of things from the, the classical period, I mean, fill this, this category here, high, high art. Um, some hymns I, I would probably put in that category that have sort of a more that have a deeper complexity. Most hymns I think fall in this category, folk art, but some may fall up here that have a bit more complexity. Is that helpful? Yeah. Um, like, like, is your question like where do they fall? Um, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I would assume here. I mean, it's just the, uh, the music of of the people made, uh, you know, not for commercialization purposes, but for the the worship of God and the helpfulness of other people. You know. Yeah. Just double checking. Um, so when you're writing music. Yeah. No, I, I mean the. Um, I, I don't think I'm. Uh, I'm not necessarily trying to to say that we should. Uh, what I'm trying to say that we should aim for always is this. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying we should try to uh, aim for any of these three categories because, um, you know, in in each of these categories, the goal is always this. The goal is always to. Uh, create something beautiful that people can actually grasp, right? And um, but but I mean, so I think if if you can create that kind of music, you know, go for it. Um, but but even in that kind of music, uh, you know, it has to, like the, the greatest works of of high, you know, that that genre, that that type of of art, are uh, are still comprehensible. I mean, they're they're high. You have to. But, but uh, you know, it doesn't go so far. It's so mysterious to uh, to be sort of out there, way over the 20th century, incomprehensible. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and let me say one more thing. The interesting thing is that the uh, you know through through the 16, 1700s, as as moral lines blur, so do aesthetic lines, right? So as as morality increasingly becomes more and more, uh, like what what G.K. Chesterton says, um, is uh, an, an an artist uh, you, you have to draw the line somewhere. Like to be an artist, you you start by drawing a line somewhere, and you know that's true for morality and it's true for art too. So increasingly, as um, as as time went on, more lines were blurred. It's just an observation that I've uh, you know that I've seen that. Uh, the, the more we're attached to to truth and helpfulness in the in the church of other other people, actually, art is is better. So, yes. Yeah. 
totally. Totally. But you might, you know, spend a little time trying to acquire it so you can present it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Any any other thoughts? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think it's, uh, you know, um, I don't think there's necessarily an answer except to say that strive to 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 achieve incarnation, strive to balance the, the mystery, interest, and clarity, you know? And so, so maybe it is that, uh, that Radiohead is uh, a little far on the pendulum of interesting. I mean, I, personally, I would, I would say so. Some, some of the people might not. You know, and then maybe what you're describing over here is kind of too far on the pendulum of clear, like a cover of a cover of a cover. It's like, okay, I, I get that, you know? Um, and and uh, and let's try to to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, so I you know I I don't necessarily have an answer for you or like someone who does it perfectly or, or a piece of music who does it perfectly. Although some um, you know people argue that uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is kind of the, the pinnacle of of, of music uh, for for several different reasons. But the the sort of drift between uh, the Middle Ages of of uh, monophonic chant to the the 20th century uh, sort of mystery garbage that no one understands uh, Beethoven's music uh, kind of hits that balance perfectly some some would argue so I don't, um, yeah those are just some thoughts any other things questions hopefully this has been helpful to you yes Yeah. Um, would you say then that like it can't be this like this is poetry or something like that, where it's like okay, well there's something kind of pretty about this, but I don't understand. Would you say that that kind of is like it would maybe not that it's bad, but it would be better if you knew what they were saying? Um, that's a good question. Um, uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, um, I think that again the. Uh, the, the job of the artist, as like what Bacon said, is always to deepen the mystery. And it's always to, to lift people to the transcendent. And so it sounds like maybe that, you know, what, what you've described there is uh, sort of on the border or the edge of, of that, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the best art hits this, the, this balance of sort of understandability with just this awe.
Huh? Right? It might be technically good. Yeah. It might be, it fits all those things you learn in, in music theory. Yeah. But if it's not clear, at least right. it's worth its going. Right, right. <coughs> yeah, man. Uh, so this is just kind of a very practical question. Yeah. Uh, what are like, practical things you've done to, because I know I always never have time to just sit down and write music. Yeah. Um, especially something like Gavin Harris is truthfully always busy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things you've done to be able to continue regular writing? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll recommend to you a uh, book on that. It's called The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. If you've read it, if, you've read it uh, uh, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Um, the War of Art. Um, in the book, he lays out just a, he, he's a, he's a uh, author, writer, guy, not a music writer, but principles uh, certainly carry over. Um, he, he gives just a, a fantastic vision for the very vanilla, non-inspired discipline of, of writing. Uh, I mean, for instance, he's, uh, this is the introduction. I'll just basically sum up his introduction. He says something like, it's, uh, it's 8 a.m., I wake up, make my kids breakfast, go to work, start writing, it's 10. I look up, it's time for lunch, I take a lunch break. I come back, write a little bit more. Is it any good? I, I don't know, i got to take a break. I uh, get some coffee, I come back, write a little more, look at the clock, it's 4. I shut my laptop. Is any of it good? I have no earthly idea. The only thing that matters is today I overcame resistance. Right? So that, that's, the, uh, that's the introduction to the book. So that gives you a flavor of what, what he's saying there. Um, essentially that inspiration is not something that comes to you. It's something you go after with a club. And uh, you, it's something that, uh, that comes to you as you're working. So for me, when I'm home, I'm like 9 to lunch every day I'm, I'm writing something. Usually, uh, usually music, songs. Sometimes it's like word writing things. But um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We actually started a, a club where um, here in Lois, and we have to write a song a week. And cool. Yeah, that's great. It's given for each week. You get a new assignment. Um, you got to write a Jimmy Bond tune. You got to write. Okay. A song. Okay. Sometimes you get to write your own song, but I've really found that it's taken me it's great. way out of my envelope. And, and the good thing is, you know, you go through a year, you write 52 songs, maybe you get, you know, five minutes. Totally. That's whatever. what, totally. Yeah, Tim Keller, he, he was talking to a group of pastors, and he said to them, no matter what you do, the first 100 sermons you write are going to be terrible. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of encouraging, not really, but like, but it's just true. It's true with songs. It's true with with any kind of uh, creativity. You know that you just hammer away at it and you do it. And you, I write tons of songs that no one will ever hear. I pray, you know. I was so. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the ways that I, I've uh, I've said that is like the when, when I, the way I plan the worship set is the same way I would I would plan to talk to a stranger on the street about the gospel. You know, it's like I don't walk up to them and say, "Hey, 
how you doing? Jesus loves you. You know, I, I walk up to them to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, we chit-chat to you the breeze for a second, but hey, you know, God created the world. He's holy. Uh, you've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. Jesus came, etc. So to map your services out in that, in that form of liturgy. And so just to begin the service with songs, scriptures about the greatness of God, the, the transcendence of God, go to songs. I mean, it's essentially it's Isaiah 6 format. It's a rich uh, tradition in the church. But um, songs of holiness, transcendence, confession, redemption, mission, or surrender. And to, to have that rhythm every week and to, to kind of beat that drum, um, I think, is, uh, is very, very helpful. And uh, it makes those uh, songs of the cross and, and joy and just explode with, with new life and energy, you know. So is that helpful? Yeah, so essentially it's God, sin, Christ, redemption. You know, uh, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. There's loads of different ways to say it. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, Isaiah 6, that's, that's the model. And uh, so that, that's typically how I'll plan a set, you know. And the good thing about this, especially for me, like I'm on the road at different places doing music and leading worship. And, uh, and so if, if there's a speaker there who I've never worked with before, and he gets up and just yaps about, you know, he just tells some jokes or he just, you know, he's being a doofus, um, then I've actually already shared the gospel with the people, so it's, it works out well that way. But, you know, songs about the greatness of God, holiness of God, songs about confession or uh, repentance, um, need, uh, songs about redemption, the cross, forgiveness, and then songs of uh, commitment, mission, renewal, resurrection, surrender. Yeah. Um, do, are we done? What time do we? Five till. Oh, so, okay, I guess we're okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he overstates in, in the book. I mean, I think that, um, I think that the, the, the general tendency when songs are created, you know, for instant mass appeal uh, and, and for money, commercialization, commercial purposes, that... Uh, it, it will be the, the kind of tendency for them to to have sort of a, you know, enable to convey transcendence. It's just sort of a, a natural, natural flow. I, but I will not say that all things in that category sort of do that. You know, I think there's plenty of things that, um, that perhaps people aim to write here, you know, that are actually, they actually end up here. I think that, that happens lots of times. You know this 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 uh, this song. It just has, you know, th- there's a simplicity to it that uh, that that is that is not childish. It's childlike. You know, there's a depth to what what they've done, and it it has it has more weight. You know, and 
you know, maybe that was done on purpose, but maybe not. Maybe it was made for commercial purposes, but for, for uh, you know, in that song, it just struck this, this right balance of, of mystery and clarity. And uh, so, I, yeah, th- those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Most of my musical. I mean, most of the time, like my musical influences nowadays, like classical music, rock and roll, and Disney music, because uh, I have three daughters, right? <laughs> so I know the Frozen soundtrack, kind of uh, memorized it. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally I listen to classical music and and rock and roll, and I, I, you know, every night my daughters and I we have a dance party, and pretty much all of that is like pop music, and we just like go nuts. Um, so, yes, that's me. Uh, specific artists, uh, you know, I, uh, um, uh, I, I love, uh, I've been, lately I've been to a lot of old stuff, like Elvis and Johnny Cash and that kind of stuff, but, uh, but generally I think most of my life I've listened to, um, rock artists, uh, U2, Nirvana, Led Zeppelin, um, stuff like that. Composers? Uh, my favorite composer is probably Brahms. Um, my favorite period of of, is, of uh, classical music is the Romantic period, and uh, so yeah. Yeah, I think certainly. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it I think it helps. I think I think everything does whether you know it or not. You know, so. Anything else? I really, really hope this has been helpful to you. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, generally, generally it spanned the whole service. So those songs after the message, you know, however many there there are, tend to be more uh, gospel or surrender, you know, oriented. Uh, let's see, what is it, I think maybe like one a month, something like that. How many, are most of those your compositions that you borrow from friends? Some are mine, some are some of the other guys at the church uh, have written. Um, yeah, we, we do a, a decent mixture of original stuff and covers, so.